We're going to have fun now. Talk to Dr. Ray Pete, and it's uh, great to have him on the show again. We've been inviting him about once a month, and he keeps saying yes, so we'll just keep inviting him. And as long as he says yes, we'll do it because it's he's just fun to have around and to talk to. He's a renowned nutritional counselor, just renowned. He required a Ph.D. from the University of Oregon with a specialization in physiology. Started his work on hormones in 68. Wrote his dissertation in 72 where he outlined his ideas on progesterone and hormones closely related to this. His main thesis is that energy and structure are independent at every level. And you can get Dr. Pete's terrific newsletter that we put right on the show page. You can just kind of very nominal fee and you can get that every couple months and and uh, rock and roll and talk to him. Well, Dr. Ray Peake, good morning, sir. How are you? Very good. You always sound good, Doc. What would you have for breakfast this morning? I have coffee and milk and orange <laughs> juice. <laughs> coffee. I like your I like your breakfasts. It's really good. You know, it's funny. After hanging out with you a little bit of doing these shows, I start thinking about, well, I'm going to try some milk, too. I have access to raw goat's milk. And... Um, and I never did really well with it my whole life, and I'm just doing great with it now after a couple months. And I'm wondering what could change in the body where, if if I wasn't you know able to do even raw goat's milk, and that you know this tummy just wasn't happy or or elimination, what would change, Doctor Pete, to make it uh, more fun for me now and real fun? Um, the body is always changing uh, to to adapt to circumstances and. They've uh, done experiments with uh, people who thought they were uh, intolerant of lactose. Mm -hmm. And by introducing an ounce or two or three or four ounces of milk per day within their tolerance, they found that in a few weeks, Hmm. even lactose intolerant people, uh, at least the ones that believed they were, uh, for example, Uh I think that was done in, in San Francisco with Chinese uh, they uh, found that they were able to drink regular amounts of milk because the enzymes take a couple of weeks to adapt, and that applies to any food. When when you change to a different kind of uh, major energy source, your hmm. intestine uh, takes weeks to really adjust to it. Interesting. Yeah. So, so if you are going to change and maybe introduce something that you haven't for a while. It'd be best to kind of real go just a little bit every day and kind of and just kind of let the body know what's going on, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, you give it signals of what's happening, and it starts making new enzymes to handle the new material. Yeah, and uh, that happens most easily when you have all of the essential nutrients in adequate amounts, and your thyroid is working efficiently so that you have lots of energy yeah. to do the yeah. new new protein synthesis. So I'm curious when you say you drink milk and you've been a, you, you drink it and is milk that good of a food for folks to even consider? Um uh, yeah, the only major deficiency it has is iron because during pregnancy uh, uh high estrogen causes the, the woman to uh, absorb iron with extreme efficiency. Hmm. Several, I think they say nine or ten times more efficiently than a man <clears throat> extracting it from food. Uh-huh. Uh, and that uh, charges up uh, the woman's body with high amounts of iron. Uh, and so the baby is born 
overloaded with iron stores. Uh, their liver stores enough iron for almost a year of life living on milk. Uh, and so milk lets them adjust to that uh, newborn state of iron excess. Hmm. Uh, so it's designed to uh, uh, be deficient in iron. Uh, and so you can't live indefinitely on just milk. But the large uh, the, the estrogen also makes the woman absorb calcium very efficiently at, because uh, the, the bones of the baby are going to require lots of calcium. Uh, and so milk has an excess of calcium uh, for adult requirements. But it turns out uh, that that even in an adult who doesn't need it for growing bones, that excess of calcium turns out to have a very powerful anti-inflammatory, anti-stress effect. Ah, interesting. I have access to raw cream, too, and boy, man, there's nothing... Holy cow, I don't know if it's good for me, but just to take a big hit of that, you know, like an ounce or two, and just kind of, whoo, it sure feels good. Um, yeah, it really does. Sure if you have good coffee with fresh... Heavy cream. cream. Oh, <laughs> that's delicious. It's like the real deal. So, and, and I think that's important too. I mean, you know, for me and others, if you have a warm, warm milk or a cream or something like that before bed, if it's if it's soothing you and making you feel better and you're happy, I mean, that goes a long way too, huh? And, and during the night, the the lack of light uh, uh, causes causes a, a developing stress that it. Co- huh. After about the age of 30, all of the changes related to aging uh, happen during the night uh, because of, of the stress uh, of, uh, uh, that requires sleeping to get through it. <laughs> and the, the, the pituitary hormones all zoom up during the night. Yeah, uh, You've heard of growth hormone and... Sure. Uh, the, the gonadotropic hormones and mm-hmm. cortisol rising. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the parathyroid hormone rises during the night, and it exacerbates things because it inhibits energy production, which makes you need the cortisol. And the combination of parathyroid hormone and cortisol rising very steeply during the night takes your energy down and breaks down your bones. So morning urine is full of the calcium that you've torn out of your bones during the night. And and so milk at bedtime, uh, experimenters have found that that greatly lowers the night stress and prevents some some of the surge of those stress hormones. Maybe that's where the whole idea of, uh, it's been around for years, I guess, uh, warm milk at night and all that, maybe that's where that comes from. Probably. Probably so. Gandhi did pretty good in he, I think if he's on goat's milk, that's kind of lived on. So, what's the difference? Is do you know do you know any big difference between goat's milk and and, and cow's milk? Uh, yeah, it has several differences. Uh, partly, it's because of, of the goats' uh, favored diet. Uh, mm-hmm. They they won't uh, eat so everything, eat, right? Yeah, and they they are uh, <laughs> stubborn and won't uh, won't eat the, <laughs> the the stuff they make cows eat. Yeah, but but basically. Uh, it's creamier, uh, and the cream is emulsified in a different way, so uh, it's slower to separate 
uh, makes it easier to digest for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I was just on a on a call with the doc, and we playing around with the blood test just so we could show people how he works with them. And, and uh, he said I could use some more, you know, br- uh, fat in my brain kind of stuff. Uh, that number was. Uh, wh- what else? Could, what could I do to people could get more? Make sure we're getting plenty of good good fat. What are some some foods and some things? Uh, that, yeah. Well, um, the interesting thing is that babies, uh, if the mother keeps her blood sugar up, the babies make their own fat, which is uh, all saturated, huh. uh, except for the polyunsaturated minus nine uh, fatty acids that are synthesized in the baby's liver. Uh, and so babies are born with a highly saturated brain, hmm. and uh, uh, in that state, in their first few years, when the brain it contains uh, only our native polyunsaturated fats and lots of saturated fats, they have their highest metabolic rate and a tremendous rate of learning. So by the age of five or six, they know five or 6,000 words. Uh, imagine an adult wow. trying to learn five or 6,000 words in That's five years. Wow. So, so we humans, uh, how do we pony up on more of that good fat in our brain? Um, sugar, just like a baby. <laughs> sugar. <laughs> I like you, boy. Sugar. Okay. <laughs> Starch and sugar both both uh, turn turn to fat when you eat enough of them. Uh-huh. Now, what would be the difference between, I don't know, having like a coconut milk ice cream with some sugar, you know, real good sugar, pure cane, organic sugar, and maybe some uh, pork fat, really well tended pork. I mean, does it go? Does it? Does the brain like equal like them equally? Um, it uh, actually uh, prefers saturated fat, but since our diets have been industrialized, uh, the pigs now have highly unsaturated fat. For about fifty years, the hmm. uh, Department of Agriculture published lists uh, calling uh, pork fat or lard. Uh, calling it a saturated fat, but it turned out to be extremely polyunsaturated because they feed them so much uh, soy yeah. and corn right. to, make, to make them fat. Right. And those polyunsaturated uh, corn and soy oils are highly fattening, where coconut oil is uh, more like uh, natural human fat. Oh, it is. And, okay. and is not so fattening. Yeah. Boy, you'd love this person. I, I've been talking to her every week at the farmer's market and they have pictures and I've been out there to visit, Doc, that they feed their pigs. You know what they feed them? They get all this food that's thrown away at Whole Foods, mostly vegetables and grass. That's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, everyone used to feed their pigs that way I when know. I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, the, the creameries would make cheese hmm. and give away uh, huge amounts of <laughs> whey uh, and the farmers would uh, mix whey with the uh, whatever apple uh, crops or uh, anything that was waste vegetable or fruit. And that was really a, a kind of ideal diet, uh, <laughs> milk protein yeah. and fruit and vegetables. Wow. Yeah, and she was saying there's a huge difference between what she's doing out there and these people with these pigs. And like you say, what you even if you go get some kind of organic 
pork or something. You don't know what they're feeding them, really. They can be you know, feeding them organic soy and all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I used to um, really <laughs> like pork when I lived in Mexico because yeah. uh, the farmers would feed them that, that sort of food. Yeah. yeah. And they just eat anything. I've seen a picture of them. They're eating pumpkins. They'll just eat anything you put in front of them, really. I guess that's why they call pigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they got a pretty good fat if you get a real nice pig, don't they? Good stuff for us? Uh, yeah. When I was a kid, uh, my grandmother a few times sent me to the store to buy some lard yeah. for her cooking. Yeah. And it, at room temperature, it sat in square <laughs> cubes, just like butter, nice and solid, but... The last time I saw a lard in a meat store, it was almost liquid. Yeah, yeah. Just because of the feed, what they feed them, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's an email for you, Dr. Ray Pete. Is reduced fat, ultra-filtered milk, lactose-free, good to drink? <laughs> reduced fat, ultra-filtered milk, lact- I've seen this stuff at the store. Is that good to drink, writes Nancy? Uh, uh, yeah, it can be if there are no serious additives in it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, uh, the lactose... Uh, they put an enzyme in that breaks lactose down, and all it does is make glucose uh, and fructose out of the, uh, uh, or glucose and and, and uh, uh, another monosaccharide. I forget what the name of it is, yeah. but it, it's uh, perfectly uh, good sugar. Makes it taste sweeter. Is there an issue with uh, with drinking? Even, say, organic grass-fed milk, you can now get at the hippie food store that's been homogenized and pasteurized. Is 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 that a real negative for the body? Uh, no. Not? Uh, good. No, not good. really. I'm glad. That's great. So everybody has access if they want to do some mood juice, right? Mm-hmm. And these days, boy, you have so many choices. Yeah. So do you do recommend they'll get folks as high a fat as they can in the milk, or does it matter? Uh, oh, oh, no. Um, you can get fat. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to drink a, a gallon a day of, uh, when, when I was working, really? uh, easily a gallon a day of whole milk. But when I became sedentary going to school, I started getting fat on that. Uh, and so I reduced it to 1%. And I could drink a gallon of 1% milk without getting fat. Uh, w- one of the virtues of milk is that the high calcium content stimulates heat production the, the, the same way. Uh, uh, sodium and protein Mm -hmm. and sugar stimulate your metabolism and and, uh, the the calcium is a major factor in maintaining a high metabolic rate. Yeah, Is is it the calcium that gets into the little mitochondria in the cells and little energy bunnies, Don? Um, uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. both sodium and calcium stimulate the cell to to, uh, uh, counteract their stimulating effect and the, the rising energy production relaxes the cell but in the process it burns up a lot of energy yeah you can you can check out dr pete's work uh, uh raypeat.com how long have you been at this dr pete um well i got my uh, phd in 72 and i've been sort of constantly at it but <laughs> before that uh, just seeing particular needs uh, already in the 50s, I was uh, uh, offering uh, my advice to people. Yeah. Um, wow. And you're a bit of a contrarian, aren't you, in a way, because of the research that you do? I mean, if I had a dollar for every person who's been on the show in the last 12 years that said, well, humans are not made to drink milk after weaning, you know, I mean, it's that meme is out there. 
that is a, <laughs> a very popular. That's a popular uh, thing to say, right? Uh, yeah, uh, and um, uh, like like uh, mainline medicine, uh, the, the there's a, a sort of mainstream counterculture that has mm-hmm. ideas like that, and naturopaths and chiropractors have, have lots of uh, uh, counter culture ideas but a lot of those are wrong too yeah yeah and they just keep 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 getting repeated over and over don't they over Mm -hmm. and over and over and over what are some of the things that you know that folks can do more of uh, because one of the the biggest ideas that the doctors natural or otherwise are being presented with is low energy Uh, talk a bit about that i mean that's the number one complaint when people go to the doctor, I just want more energy. Um, yeah, uh, mostly that turns out to be a, a low thyroid state, and uh, that relates to a, a lot of things that have become uh, more problematic in the national diet over the last 50 years. But even in the 30s and 40s, uh, there were people who, who uh, were in a position to uh, see a lot of uh, problem patients, and they were estimating that probably 40% of the population was uh, practically hypothyroid, suffering uh-huh. some symptoms of uh-huh. hypothyroidism. And since then, the, the diet has deteriorated. So uh, using those same standards, you could say that probably 60 or 80% of the people are, are suffering from hypothyroidism, but the standards for measuring it since the 1940s have changed to uh, revise the definition of normal so that people have stayed normal uh, by their (laughs) tests uh, despite the changing circumstances. Mm. Uh, And it turns out that the standard they use for diagnosing hypothyroidism is TSH, the thyroid-stimulating hormone made by the pituitary. Uh, and what they overlook is that the stress caused by hypothyroidism and bad diet, the stress hormones lower TSH the same way an excessive thyroid hormone would. And so a stressed, tired, low-energy person will have a very low uh, TSH production because of the stress hormones. <laughs> the doctor's looking at it. Wow, you're good. Yeah, yeah. and uh, quite a few people have had a diagnosis of uh, hyperthyroidism because their TSH is so low, but then their symptoms such as water retention, uh, fatigue, and, and so on, hair loss, uh, they're diagnosed by those as hypothyroidism. So several people have told me I'm both hyperthyroid and hypothyroid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense, but quite a few doctors are actually saying that. They're saying it now. So on, on the whole panel on the thyroid, is there which marker do you kind of look at that think people should pay attention to if they, you know, if they want to kind of dig into this a bit? It's good to look at all of them, mm-hmm. but uh, the free T3 and free T4 and TSH, e- each of those is ambiguous under stress. Oh. And so the, the ones I look at mostly are, is there hemoglobin and hematocrit up to normal? Uh, 
is their cholesterol above normal mm-hmm. and two or three little metabolic indicators like that, how are the liver enzymes, those going a little bit off-center are typical of high thyroid people. And so you have to take those into account. And their temperature and heart rate mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. pretty good indicators. Uh, the the real uh, indicator that was abandoned after the pharmaceutical companies took over in the 40s, uh, they used to measure actual oxi- oxygen consumption and heat production or calorie use. Uh, and if a person was only burning... Uh, two-thirds as much energy as a healthy person, uh, not to mention the uh, extra vital people who who burned 20 or 30 percent more than average, Uh, those people were given a thyroid supplement to bring their oxygen consumption up to normal, and their symptoms went away. Their cholesterol went down, Hmm. uh, temperature uh, came up, heart rate was normalized, blood pressure came down if it was high, came up if, if it was low. Uh, so looking at oxygen consumption and calorie consumption, a person just by keeping their own records of what they're eating and drinking mm-hmm. uh, can get a good impression of their calorie consumption. Uh, people, women who diet a lot, uh, they have been found, instead of the textbook, 1,700 calories per day, that used to be published, uh, they were found to be able to maintain their weight on 700 calories a day because of low thyroid function. Fascinating. So it's fair to say, and I I guess we can't even quantify, of what it is when folks worry or stressed out and have angst and such, and to know what it's really doing with the body, but it certainly changes a lot of things. Is that fair to say? Uh, Yeah, and low thyroid people uh, chronically have anxiety because when when your energy production goes down, uh, it happens to everyone during the night. It compensates with increased adrenaline and cortisol to uh, counteract the stress of low thyroid. But when your thyroid is chronically low, you run around in the daytime with elevated uh, adrenaline mm-hmm. and cortisol. Cortisol, yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen people with several times the normal amount of adrenaline production, uh, and e- even where that would make a, a normal person uh, seem uh, uh, very agitated and and anxious, uh, some people uh, can function normally with four times as much adrenaline production as normal. Oh my goodness. And that that's all. That's why some low thyroid people tend to sometimes get anxious or AFib and that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. especially at sunset when hmm. when the the stress hormones are normally rising, uh, a low thyroid person can go into a, a very anxious, worrying state chronically. Every every night they start worrying. So you you mentioned that that's why we sleep because the stress hormones come out. Why do they come out at night? Um, experiments on rabbits in Leningrad, uh, they found that uh, as soon as the lights were turned out, the, the mitochondria started swelling a little. Wow. Uh, uh, the, the nights there in the winter are about 16 sure. hours long. <laughs> yeah. uh, and 
so uh, halfway through the night, uh, the mitochondria were extremely enlarged. Uh, about uh, three or four in the morning, they started exploding and collapsing and mm. uh, stopping uh, energy production altogether. And uh, they, they found that generally uh, at the end of winter, uh, because of these very long nights, their mitochondria had been seriously deteriorated as the way an old person's mitochondria are. Uh, the, the DNA is lost, for example. But because their summer days are extremely long, uh, rabbits and people uh, have more opportunity to restore their mitochondria. And uh, certain kinds of exercise in old people can do the same thing that very long days do for uh, rabbits uh, and people in Leningrad. Huh. Uh, you can restore even the DNA, the, the uh, few surviving uh, mitochondria with good DNA will multiply quickly under uh, prolonged light uh, and uh, good exercise. In, in humans, uh, there there was a study in which they uh, put a tube in their arms so they could take a blood sample every 15 minutes <laughs> during the night, and they found that uh, it, when they turned the lights out, within 15 minutes, there was a rise in uh, cortisol, which continued uh, giving them an extremely uh, high morning cortisol. But the ones who went to sleep, the rise was much slower than if they stayed awake. Uh, so sleep is is a way of reducing our need for cortisol. I see. And, and we, we've been told over the years that it's really good to uh, sleep and get early and that that's really more beneficial than going to bed at at 1, 12, or 1 or 2 o'clock. Do you think there's something to that? Um, yeah, people who have spent the summer months in Antarctica where the, the day, daylight is constant mm -hmm. uh, have said they, they felt the best of their lives, uh, didn't feel any of, of that nighttime stress. Uh, oh. But uh, uh, getting to sleep early so that you're uh, minimizing the, the stress of nighttime uh, is, is very helpful to the body. Yeah. Speaking of light, uh, we've been doing some research and people are talking more about it, these near-infrared lights. Do you have any any opinions on the ben possible beneficials of some of these things? Uh, uh, infrared is basically uh, heat, and, and it's good to help keep your metabolic rate up just by staying warm. Yes. Uh, like old people sleep better if they wear uh, a wool hat mm -hmm. and socks, uh, wool yeah. socks at night oh. uh, or even take a, a warm bath before bed uh, but uh, the the warming effect is one thing but uh, different wavelengths of infrared yes. penetrate differently right. most of it is uh, just warming warming the water mm -hmm. and then so it's highly absorbed by your tissue red light at uh, the uh, fairly narrow band from orange to red is not absorbed by most of the things in the tissue. It passes right through water without heating it. But when it runs into a blue protein, blue enzyme, which uh, we have uh, quite a few of those containing copper that makes them blue, under stress, uh, the free radicals and free electrons uh, reduce that blue copper turn it red 
uh, and uh, uh, the um, uh, red light being absorbed by those copper-containing enzymes uh, uh, changes the state, uh, reoxidizes uh, the copper. It favors uh, the uh, oxidized and oxidizing state of the copper rather than the reduced state. That puts the mitochondria uh, back to work. Uh, because the the copper enzymes are the uh, final uh, enzyme of the mitochondrial energy-producing system. So are you saying then some of these red lights can be beneficial? Um, uh, Yeah, they can, within uh, just a a minute or two, Mm -hmm. uh, restore the enzyme activity. And uh, they've they've measured uh, rats' cognitive ability and, and... uh, oxygen consumption in their brains, uh, just shining red light through their head, <laughs> it, it restores their uh, mitochondrial oxidation very quickly. Very, and then and then it'll continue on its own for a bit without the light. Um, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it has a certain momentum because huh. before the, before the stress knocks cool. it out again. Very cool. So huh. uh, about uh. every ten or fifteen minutes, having a little flash of light on your on your uh, body would probably help. <laughs> you know, You'd almost put a red light thing on your bed and put it on a timer or something like that. that might be fun. Um, we're hearing a lot between this, I think, six to eight hundred nanometer range of the infrared lights. Uh, do you think there's some some value in that kind of idea of working with those? Uh, yes, six six to seven hundred yeah. mm-hmm. is, is the most important band. Mm-hmm. Can you put that in your eyes as well? Shine in your eyes? Uh, yeah, there were experiments with. Uh, uh, for example, welders who burned ah. their, their eyes uh, with ultraviolet light mm-hmm. uh, uh, were found to um, have instant pain relief almost when they looked at red light. Oh. And uh, uh, experimenters with uh, deadly amounts of gamma rays that would uh, kill a frog uh, from radiation sickness in the first uh, few hours after exposure, just a gigantic dose, uh, when they gave them red light immediately after the radiation, it didn't kill them. My goodness. It, it, it had the same effect on the, the electrons, which had been knocked out of their proper uh, condition by the, the gamma rays. Uh, the red light uh, restored the enzymes that would have led to fatal inflammation. Hmm, cool. Dr. Ray Pete, stay right there, sir. We're going to just do a quick little break. Boy, it's fun talking to him, isn't it? I mean, I don't know where he, how he knows all this stuff. Um, so uh, it's an honor to have Dr. Pete here. His website is raypeat.com. He has a very uh, fairly priced, uh, very, 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 not much at all. He can tell you in couple every couple months he does a nice newsletter. You can sign up for that one on raypeat.com. If you, we're going to get to some of your emails. We've got more coming in, but go ahead and get them in now, and we're going to jump through as many as we can here. Patrick Timpone, one radio network.com. We got our hydrogen machine yesterday. I was able to get one because we sold uh, some and for, through the commissions uh, with George Wiseman, who has been working with these things for about 30 years and more and more. There's some really cool things going on with hydrogen gas and hydrogen bubbling your water. We'll see how, you know, what my experience is. I haven't put it together yet, but I'm going to do that this afternoon and, and uh, we'll be here tomorrow. And I've got some real interesting things to talk to you about on uh, what I discovered and how I created a situation 
or a little bug can go on my tummy from the spiritual level. And I think you'll find it interesting. That's tomorrow on Open Phone Friday at 9 o'clock. And here's George talking about George. This was previously with George Wiseman about his AquaCure machine making hydrogen, gas, and water out of the same hose. Listen. The body accepts that gas and uses it to heal everything. It's like the fountain of youth. It's astonishing the amount of ailments. In fact, in scientific studies, and they have over a thousand scientific studies now, they are showing that it either helps the body heal directly or indirectly from virtually every ailment that ails any water-based life form. But it works just as well on animals and plants and lizards and birds and everybody. And you're saying this because this machine called the AquaCure split into five different parts. Six. I got hydrogen, oxygen, electro, enhanced water, water vapors, monoatomic hydrogen. What else? And monoatomic oxygen. Oh, the monooxygen. And that's what your machine does? It splits it? Yes, it, it makes that mixture inside the machine. And all that comes out a single hose. The same host. Gas? As a gas, in gaseous form, yes. And you breathe it or you put it in water? So if you bubble the Brown's gas into this water, yeah. into, let's say, distilled water, it will go to a negative ORP. And when you drink that, it actually gives your body an, an electrical energy, this, these electrons. Instead of sucking energy from you, it gives it. So you can have water that is healthful and not healthful just by the energy that's in the water. You want to get one? Me too. Ours is on the way. Check this out. Lifetime warranty on the machine itself, and then a one-year, no questions asked, money-back guarantee if you don't, if you like the machine within a year. I mean, have you ever heard of a warranty like that? The AquaCure. Use promo code One Radio. Promo code One Radio for a ten percent discount. It's in our store on OneRadioNetwork.com. Pretty fun, huh? So we'll see, and uh, lots of questions about it, and. Actually, Dr. Mark Circus uh, on his website, he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. Or the first, he's really into the hydrogen thing, has been for 30 years, and he's got a lot of information on it. And uh, you can you can go there, too, and read his stuff. And then if you want to get one, come back to our website, please, and order it through our store. Um, we have the Elk Velvet on sale right now. Uh, I want to remind you from uh, Daniel Vitalis. And also, if you would like to help your sleeping, uh, you could check out uh, Ken Roller's Scalar Energy Device. It is the Golden Pyramid, and it is put out scalar waves about 10, 15 feet. Put one of these puppies, like, uh, on your headboard, you know, on your bedstand, and it's a beautiful little Golden Pyramid, and it, it helps people sleep. It just helps a lot, and I think you'll enjoy it. Or even at night, if you spend a lot of time in your living room reading or something, you could put one in there, too. And the Scalar Energy Device, as well as the water... Uh, or the uh, structuring device that is is uh, in our store, and uh, it's called the Vitalizer Plus. Great thing to structure water with. Helps your body to absorb better water. And um, I don't wonder how that's going to go. I could do structure the hydrogen water. I don't know. Well, we'll play with it. And it's all on OneRadioNetwork.com in our store. Know the Source. One Radio Network. We're talking with Dr. Ray Pete, who's been at this forever, a long, long time. Uh, Dr. Pete, this is interesting. A lady just uh, sent an email, and she says, I fall asleep and sleep well with my chicken light shining on me. Oh, that's the red kind of chicken light, then. Uh, uh, yeah, it looks like um, an ordinary uh, incandescent bulb, mm-hmm. but it 
they're designed to run on 130 volts, uh, and uh, so on 120 standard voltage, they're less blue-oriented. Uh, huh? they're, they're richer in the red light, uh, and so they're, I have one over my head all the time. Do you really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get too warm? Are you just put? A, yeah, does it have to be very close? Uh, I don't know about three feet over my head, uh-huh. but in, in the winter, yeah. I use two of them. Yeah. They help warm the room. Yeah. But it, it's always a, a beneficial anti-stress light to be going right through your skin oh, into your head. Great. But these are these would be different. Is it a, just a different technology or strength? Or you tell me, please, the difference between those you know chicken lamp things you can get at Home Depot and the bulb, and not very expensive. Some people even putting them four or five in a row and making a little sound out of them, or some of these more expensive six to eight hundred far red thread things. I mean, is there a beneficial to the to the more juicy or the more souped up ones? Uh, no, uh, I, I <laughs> no. think the, uh, <laughs> no. The five dollar ones are fine. Yeah, uh, they they used because they were designed for the higher voltage. Mm-hmm. They used to burn forever on standard uh, 120 volts. But uh-huh. I, I think now that the demand for them has increased, they've learned how to make them burn out like an ordinary light bulb. So you have to buy a new one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking to a, an engineer that made a beautiful little thing where there's four of them, and you can get it, and we're going we're gonna to be selling it on our website. So Dr. Pete says they're just as good as the more expensive ones, and you could put one and do a little sauna or just kind of, you know, sit in front of it. You know, Dr. Pete, I've got about three of them on a chair, you know, one of those big black things where you can hook them on a chair. And as you said, in the winter, if I'm reading or watching a movie, I like to shine those on me. And it's really comforting, isn't it? They're very nice. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and and even with with serious neurological huh. diseases, they can help restore mitochondria. Uh-huh. This is a an email from Jerome. He is in Germany. Well, hi, Jerome. It's probably seven o'clock in the or six or so in Germany. Uh, he says I'm about sixty five revolutions around the sun. As Patrick says, I'm in very good health, but I do have some numbness, toes, my feet sometimes, and just feels numb, uh, like the circulation is not um, going well. Can Dr. Pete give me some ideas? What could be going on and what could be some remedies? I, I think uh, with age, one of the things becomes chronic inflammation, inflammation. from uh, slow digestion. Oh. And the intestine not only releases its inflammatory signals into the bloodstream, but the nerves that pass uh, through the pelvic area, mm-hmm. I think, are being poisoned by uh, the uh, the intestine emits some of these uh, serotonin, histamine, nitric oxide, endotoxin substances out into the general pelvic area, mm. and so it can affect the way the bladder works, tends to slow down yeah. the muscle contraction, mm-hmm. uh, and it can also poison the nerves uh, as well as the blood vessels uh, passing through the pelvis Very interesting. And, and slow down the nerve uh, and, and circulation energy production mm-hmm. in the legs and feet. Wow. Very interesting. So let's go back to the cause of that. What kind of things can, can Jerome do? Um, uh, the, the accumulation of polyunsaturated fats oh. in the tissue mm-hmm. means that any particular inflammation uh, for example, uh, a green salad isn't digestible by, by humans, and so it feeds 
bacteria, mm-hmm. and, and the bacteria will uh, produce various things uh, that activate uh, the signals of in- inflammation. And the more polyunsaturated fat you have uh, stored in your tissues, uh, the more inflammatory prostaglandin, especially PGE2, uh, will, will be produced, uh, and that circulates through the body as, as uh, it, it only goes a certain distance in the blood, but it creates these cascade effects of uh, one thing stimulating another. So cutting your polyunsaturated fats mm-hmm. or using aspirin chronically, uh, the aspirin will block the formation of prostaglandins uh, and reduce that amplifying effect. So the, the, the aspirins would be a negative thing, right? Uh, the, the which? The aspirin would be a negative thing. Uh, no, no, it helps to block that uh, amplifying of, of the I- inflammation. It blocks prostaglandin formation. Oh, it does. Yeah. Hmm. So, John, could he even try I mean, just like a bare aspirin, how much would you take? Or a little baby aspirin? Um, uh, enough to uh, make make the symptoms go away is, is the basic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're going to do it chronically, especially if you have used antibiotics and disturbed the intestinal bacteria. Our chronic use of aspirin can cause uh, abnormal excess bleeding. Uh, and so you want to make sure your uh, diet has some vitamin K in it. Yeah. Uh, uh, when I was first experimenting with chronic use of aspirin, uh, I noticed that if I scratched myself slightly, I would leave drops of blood for wow. about tw- 20 or 30 minutes afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I, I took vitamin K, mm-hmm. a- and uh, now I can take a, a, a little bit of aspirin. A, yeah, a, a thousand milligrams a day doesn't cause any bleeding abnormality. Just because you're taking the K? Yeah. The K, is that K2 or just K? Uh, our liver can make the whole range of Okay, just... So, yeah, if, if you eat liver, uh, oh... Two or three times a month, yeah, uh, you you're good. Get the range of uh, K1, 2, and various others. Boy, you're not the, uh, as you know, the only person that recommends folks do a little liver a couple times a month. It's really beneficial for mo- most people. Mm-hmm. Is it okay? Yeah. No. Here's an email from Carol. Does Dr. P. Do you prefer certain types of protein powders? Uh, no, powdering protein. Uh, most proteins contain. Uh, two or three amino acids that are very unstable. When they break down, they can produce inflammatory toxins. Mm. Uh, the indoles made from tryptophan, for example, uh, are uh, age-related uh, and stress-related toxins. And if you oxidize a normal protein, you will get some breakdown of the unstable amino acids, cysteine and tryptophan are the worst for uh, uh, breaking down in processing. Uh, So the only protein that doesn't have these unstable uh, amino acids is gelatin. So uh, nicely uh, made, clean uh, gelatin can can be powdered. Gelatin? You mean you're just talking about gelatin from the store? Uh, Yeah. That's protein. Uh, yeah, uh, it isn't a complete protein for a growing animal, but an adult who isn't growing uh, has a very small requirement for 
uh, tryptophan, methionine, and cysteine. And if you reduce uh, an adult animal, uh, reduce the methionine alone in its diet, experiments have found a, a 40% extension uh, of their lifespan just by that one protein being reduced to a, a minimum uh, maintenance requirement. I, I think you'd get better results uh, reducing uh, the uh, uh, cysteine and, and uh, tryptophan at the same time, mm-hmm. which, which gelatin would do. Gelatin. Well, um, here's an interesting, it ties right in, so let's see. Let's see, it's kind of long. I'm going to paraphrase. Judy says she talked to somebody on YouTube, um, Dr. Gray, and talked about Parkinson's, and um, and he said that he helped with a few things, and she's been doing it and actually sleeping better. She's taking a little bit of tyrosine, cysteine, and 5-HTP to, for potential Parkinson's and to sleep. Does Dr. Pete think this could be is a good good idea? Uh, no, I don't think the five HTP is good at all. Okay, it can lead to in, increased inflammation. Oh, it just does. How about the cysteine, the tyrosine? Uh, cysteine, Cyst- no, it, yeah. it produces inflammation oh. and can damage mitochondria. Oh, good. We don't and tyrosine. I think it's okay, mm-hmm. but not too, not too much of it. What does it do? Why would just take a little it, bit? Well, it leads to adrenaline, for example, and in moderation, that isn't harmful. Okay. Why would you take it, though, if you're not doing the other ones? Do you think that she would get the results that she wants? A a little bit of it isn't harmful, Mm -hmm. and and it can have a slightly stimulating effect if you're uh, somewhat low in protein. But uh, uh, gelatin, for example, has a generous amount of of, uh, the the precursors to... uh, uh, adrenaline and, and dopamine. Yeah. yeah, this just popped in. We might as well say it while it's here. Ken says, so where do I get this gelatin Dr. Pete is talking about? It sounds interesting. Uh, there are two companies I know of that uh, uh, have, have a good, clean uh, product. Uh, Great Lakes okay. Gelatin is an old company from sure. the 1920s or 30s. I think they were selling medical gelatin. We already. know them, yeah. Red and mm-hmm. I think Innovation Products, something like that, is the name okay. of the other one I've used. Uh, I got it by an 80-pound bag, I think it was. Wow. You can, you, so you can take a lot of it. You can take a lot of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, 30, 30 grams a day is wow. fine. Now, the Great Lakes, they offer the red can and the green can. I think the green is a little bit more processed. Does it matter to you, Dr. Pete? Uh, no, I, I haven't used much of it, but I, I don't think there's any harm in uh-huh. using the soluble one. Oh, they mean the green is a solu- green label soluble? soluble? Uh, easier to dissolve mm-hmm. without so much uh, wow. uh, stirring and heating. So just basically the body likes this kind of a protein. Uh, the adult body. The adult body likes it more than all these other things that they sell out there, uh, these pea proteins, uh, yeah. all that stuff? Uh, yeah, those all have uh, toxic breakdown products when they're dehydrated. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, same, <laughs> same with liver powder. You can't safely dehydrate right. liver. Mm-hmm. Here's an email, Dr. Pete. Uh, my blood glucose level came back at 127. The normal range is says 70 to 99, so I guess he's talking about the fasting blood, blood glucose. Should I be concerned all the chemistry readings were in the normal range? 
I I wouldn't be concerned, but uh, you you should uh, uh, pay attention to things like your temperature and pulse rate, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, watch your uh, cholesterol if you have a blood test, uh, and uh, uh, the, the um, uh, in the long range, uh, it will probably come down when your thyroid function is is optimal. Mm-hmm. When you say the pulse rate, uh, talk a bit about that. Um, when your adrenaline rises to uh, compensate for low thyroid, uh, it uh, prevents the very, very slow pulse rate of hypothyroidism in the classical sense. And uh, often a person waking up in the morning when their, their cortisol is high, uh, they will sometimes have a racing heart, which slows huh. to normal after breakfast. Uh, that's because of the high uh, stress hormones during the night. Uh, so either very high in the morning uh, pulse rate or, or very low during the day. Uh, a lot, I've seen people as low as 35 beats per minute who wow. are still getting around, usually very sluggish and depressed, uh, uh, sometimes as a result of uh, overtraining uh, but uh, heavy yeah. training uh, lowers your thyroid and metabolic rate. Uh, but um, yeah, the the healthy, uh, high IQ uh, kids in some studies uh, all had around an 85 beats per minute pulse rate. Uh, and uh, uh, some studies on older people found that, uh, like like the high school age kids, uh, the pulse rate varied with their IQ. Uh, very low thyroid tired people have a lower mental functioning. So uh, they had people who had had heart implants and so they gave them uh, a mental test sit with a heart set at, eight, or at 70 beats per minute then uh, turned up the stimulator to produce 85 beats per minute and all of their mental functions uh, ability to calculate and reason uh, and memory uh, increased uh, just by turning up the the rate of the artificial heart stimulator. Fascinating. So as as folks' thyroid get more in balance for them, generally they're going to increase their their pulse rate a bit. Uh, yeah, oh. I, I, in the range of eighty to ninety, I think is is wow. good for most people. That's amazing, Doctor uh, Pete. That tends to go with a, a stable blood sugar, mm-hmm. uh, usually around 90, and a, a stable blood pressure, usually roughly in the range of 120 over 80. Mm-hmm. Boy, my, mine's been 60 pulse rate for 50 years, I think. If I got to 80 or 90, I'd probably, whew, I don't know, I, I, oh, it, man, it would feel not good to me. So I'm kind of confused. I, uh, that, the first week or two that you supplement thyroid, uh, if you're uh, running around uh, keeping your heart rate going with adrenaline, mm-hmm. uh, the first thing you feel is that the thyroid is, is like speed. It right. makes you anxious and right. tense. Right. Uh, that's a typical uh, reaction to the, the first days. But if you go very slow, uh, like a fourth of, of the standard dose or less, uh, do that daily for several weeks, uh, you'll find that you uh, your pulse is slowing down, 
uh, and your temperature slightly creeping up. Uh, and uh, the when you uh, are fully uh, oxidizing, the energy production from uh, the high oxidizing function of the of the mitochondria uh, that has a relaxing effect on your nerves and muscles. Hmm. Uh, uh, your muscles will uh, instantly be able to go into a relaxed state, and sleep will come on very quickly because your brain quickly goes into the deep sleep. Uh, a low thyroid person uh, uh, typically when they measure the, the brain waves, uh, they aren't able to get into the deepest levels of sleep, and so sleep isn't restful. Very, very, very interesting. So, yeah, people even start maybe 15 of those milligrams of a 60 caps thyroid uh, thing and just yeah. kind of juice it up a little bit. So then eventually, um, would then the pulse rate go up a little bit, but it do it normally, not on adrenaline, but because your uh, thyroid is working better, is what you're saying? Yeah, gradually as, mm-hmm. as your temperature and oxygen consumption increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first things that happens in the first hours or, or even minutes after taking a thyroid supplement is that your cells begin making more energy mm-hmm. and they need, uh, they're able to retain mag- magnesium in the cell because magnesium binds to ATP low thyroid person uh, is breaking down the ATP because there's not enough uh, magnesium (laughs) to stabilize it. And and if you don't have a a good reserve of magnesium somewhere in your body, increasing the thyroid uh, runs runs into a a wall where there's not enough magnesium and and so it does nothing but but increase stress. Uh, So making sure you're getting enough magnesium is essential when you're uh, adjusting the thyroid. Uh, and what, what's a reasonable dose to look at a daily of mag? Oh, um, uh, in the first two or three days, it's hmm. okay to take a, a gram or two of magnesium carbonate. But uh, just having a good diet, uh, uh, coffee is rich in magnesium, milk, orange juice, meat and fish. Oh, good. All of, yeah. all of those are good magnesium sources. Is magnesium glycinate okay? I've got some of those. Yeah. yeah is it yeah, good? It is. Yeah, it's good. Wow. Pretty. Fa- How did you figure all this stuff out? Uh, what? How did you uh, figure all this stuff oh, out? Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, just amazed. Uh, you know, I was uh, like, whoa. Uh, a professor at the University of, of Colorado uh, did the experiments uh, uh, uh-huh. uh, on magnesium. And, I see. And, and the doctor friend uh, tested it on his patients, found that uh, giving a combination of T3 thyroid and magnesium IV uh, instantly relieved his his uh, allergy patients. But when they got the magnesium with the thyroid, it uh, kept them out of the allergic state. It cured the allergy instead of just temporarily my relieving gosh, it. My God. The T3 a lot different, straight TV. Uh, T3 is a lot different from just your standard piggy thyroid and the 60 milligram things that they sell? Uh, yeah, mm. uh, and it, it works w- within actually seconds mm. if, if you chew up a, a two or three micrograms of it. But it, if you just swallow a pill, it works maximally an hour and a half after you swallow a pill, and then it fades off, losing half of its activity in the first 12 hours. So it, it isn't something you can take once a day. 
because you would have very sharp ups and downs. Yeah. That, that's why the uh, glandular powder is better. better. Uh, Ellen writes in, can you, can Dr. P recommend a brand of Colorella that he likes better than others, Colorella? Uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't know. touch it myself. Oh, how come? Um, all of those organisms uh, have some irritating uh, components, but sometimes uh, the uh, the growth in the lake can become contaminated with a toxic version. Oh, so it's, I think it's always risky. Spirulina, same same caution. Uh, uh, Spirulina, yeah. same cautionary tale yeah. for that. Uh-huh. Uh, Mitchell is writing in. I wonder if you could ask Doctor Pete about hammer toes. Do you know anything about hammer toes? Not, not really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think it probably in- involves some of the same inflammatory things that yeah. uh, affect the nerves and blood vessels of the feet, but mm-hmm. I've, I've never experimented uh, yeah. on anyone with it. Okay. Uh, Geo, Geo, that's a nice name. I was wondering if you could ask Dr. Pete about bloating. It seems to be caused by sugar. Um, myelin blue, and methylene blue, M-E-T-H-Y-L-E-N-E blue, Sometimes help. Does he have any advice? Um, yeah, slow digestion, uh, and when you have bacteria living where they shouldn't, they should stay in the colon. But when your digestion is poor and slow, they can move up. A very hypothyroid person sometimes has bacteria and yeast living in the stomach. Uh, you've heard of the. Uh, stomach cancer and mm-hmm. ulcers being mm-hmm. caused by bacteria living there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, various microorganisms can occupy the upper parts of the intestine. And when you have bacteria in the small intestine, they will eat anything that, that they uh, uh, contact. So sugar, which should be absorbed very quickly in your stomach and, and very early part of the upper intestine, the bacteria can uh, get to it before you can absorb it. Hmm. Uh, so sugar can very quickly produce gas. Ordinarily, uh, the slower digesting vegetables uh, with uh, uh, starches that are uh, intertwined with fibrous ma- uh, cellulose-type material lignans, uh, those are the things that normally cause bloating uh, and feed bacteria in the lower small intestine. Uh, beans, uh, even in the uh, uh, colon, uh, the fibrous material in beans uh, very commonly will will cause gas. But other vegetables, uh, if your digestion is slow, so the, the first thing is to accelerate the, the transit of your food. And thyroid is the main thing behind uh, that uh, energetic quality of the intestine. So you're talking about this whole SIBO thing that people talk a lot about, this small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Yeah. Yeah. Can you ask Dr. Pete his information on what, oh, taking turpentine would do to the stomach acid overall? Um, Have you heard people doing turpentine? Oh, uh, yeah, since I was a little kid, uh, you would put a drop on a sugar cube, Mm -hmm. for example. So you know about that, yeah. 
I, I, I always loved painting with turpentine as the solvent. <laughs> I like the smell of it. And I, I think it's basically harmless. Uh, there, uh, If you look at the Internet, you'll see yeah. thousands of sure, warnings about toxicity. Uh, it's harmless, yeah. Yeah, you, you can become very allergic to it, uh, and so you'll know if you're allergic to it. And it, it's the same with the citrus thinners that uh, they're selling to replace turpentine. Uh, they can become extremely allergenic, especially if they're aged. And if you're hearing this for the first time, you want to make sure that you're using like pure gum spirits of turpentine and not the, you know, just an old can off of Home Depot. Just get the real deal. And we have one at a store that's just pine trees. That's all they do. They just, uh, yeah, yeah and zap it and cook it. Yeah. Some some of the companies are selling stuff in their old. Uh, pure gum spirits, pine turpentine cans, and it turns out to be gasoline. Oh my goodness! Selling oh. it for twenty-five dollars a gallon instead of Ooh. three dollars so and a half. Be careful! I would do the Di- Diamond G Force products. You can go on Amazon, or I think we have it on our store still. Diamond G Force products. We've talked to those people. They just tap a pine tree, they take out the sap, and they cook it. That's all they do. That's it. Just pretty cool. Uh, stay right there, uh, Dr. Pete. We have more questions for you. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. It's so interesting, Dr. Pete mentioned the uh, uh, bacterial overgrowth thing, and I've been playing around with Wayne Blakely's Bifido 2. Now, the Bifido is a, is a very cool thing with the curcumin from India where you can get the little yttrium. Uh, they got some uh, very nice uh, uh, special um, bacteria in there that helps the, the yttrium to get released, and that's one of the reasons why Richard Olry and other people have said that the yttrium uh, doesn't get released much in the or soil because the bacteria is not there. So that's curious. But you can get the Bifido too, and you can put this in your ears. I've been doing it every night. Uh, my body likes it, and you can put it in each ear and then bend over, then hold the ear, do the other ear, and then you can also use the Bifido too in your eyes along with Flora PM in your eyes just a, a drop or two, and I'm getting gooey stuff coming out of my eyes like every day. It's like crazy. And um, 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 it looks like it's trying to just clean up a little bit of a little scarring on the eyes, a little bit of fat. Or not sure where the gooey stuff's coming from, but I like it. And my um, eyes are getting clearer and brighter uh, and just using it in the eyes over a couple of weeks. Pretty interesting. So these are a couple of things you can play with if you're interested in Living Streams, the Bifido 2 or the Bifido. And here's, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Previously, we talked with Brandon Amalani about his Blue Shield product to protect against EMFs in your home. The, the more connected we are, the more electromagnetic radiation we're going to have. So years ago, I'd play with Q-Links and just anything I can get my hands on that whether I felt it working or not, I just wanted some kind of leverage against sure. electromagnetic radiation in those frequencies and how they affect the cellular biology. But then when I met Mark and started really getting deep to his technology and really looking at the microprocessing technology, I've never found any any EMF company that would not only to test on not only human blood and urine analysis, but also on animals, which totally weeds out the idea of placebo effect. I mean, the fact that you can plug these devices into a chicken farm, a factory farm, for about 15,000 laying hens, and all of a sudden the mortality rate, which is averages from 60 to 150 deaths per month, goes down to zero. I mean, it's pretty profound that a, a little device, a little energy device, could actually like create such a harmony and balance within the environment to where claustrophobic 
chickens that are crammed in together actually get along better and actually feel better and, and oh. the the you know the biological markers are improved over that one year study there's quite a bit of science with this blue shield product you can see the ad on the front page promo code one radio will get you a 10 percent discount this works on the cells in the body very cool technology front page blue shield one radio network.com previously with brandon amelani of shen blossom talking about our very special ginseng. And you don't want something that's been corrupted coming into your body. Like the ginseng is a super important example of that. You know, when you're using aggressive alcohols and solvents, it has a it has a strange effect with um, ginseng in the sense that when you're not only over-processing it, but putting it in really aggressive alcohols, what's going to happen is that you're going to flip the chemistry on some of the uh, androgenic. Naturally, it's androgenic. It's going to basically protect the telomeres and, and add life to the body and, and protect the genetic replication of the cells. But it's also going to boost the androgens and boost the, the male hormones in the body. But if you incubate it in a really aggressive alcohol, it flips those to become estrogenic. Now, estrogens, phytoestrogens are not necessarily bad in balance, but you really don't want that with your ginseng, especially if you're getting like a really high quality, a really old root, something that's very special. You want to like treat it with care and make sure it's delivering what ginseng has to offer. Just a short clip from Brandon talking about the way they do the ginseng, just to give you a better idea of where this company is coming from, the quality and the ethics. Brandon and the Shen Blossom link on OneRadioNetwork.com. Nothing is more expensive than bad information. Know the source. OneRadioNetwork.com. Yeah, I like that line a lot. And, uh, well, we do what we can here and uh, just trying to provide as much uh, different opinions and ideas. And This morning uh, is one of our faves, and uh, we appreciate you coming on, Dr. Pete, from time to time. Dr. Ray Pete, his website, raypete.com. Um, this, one, this, this one, Leslie, I'm getting so much different information on the uh, Internet about iodine. Some people are taking massive doses. Some people say you don't need it. And I wonder what Dr. Pete says in general. Do you think I need should be taking iodine every day? Um, no. Uh, milk, for example, is, is a good source of iodine because the cows won't give milk if they're iodine deficient. Uh, chickens, <laughs> chickens will stop laying eggs if they're iodine deficient. So uh, milk and eggs are guaranteed sources of uh, iodine. Uh, and... Uh, Seafood, any kind of mm-hmm. ocean fish, oysters, uh, crab, uh, uh, cod, whatever, is going to provide uh, enough iodine along with the associated uh, selenium, which is an essential nutrient for thyroid function. Can we get enough selenium with Brazil nuts and other foods? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, those are fine. Good. Uh, here's an email. After taking digestive aid without lots of quality without lots of quality foods at it, and curious of his thoughts on that one. I don't know what she means by that. Without lots of quality foods. Does he suggest soaking... Oh. Uh, um, soaking... Uh, d- uh, some uh, digestive aids like uh, pancreatic enzymes ca- can be extremely helpful. But yeah. uh, uh, you want to watch that they aren't made from uh, just a fungus. If they're in- including... A lot of strange 
uh, enzymes. They're probably uh, from a fungus, and they can contain allergens. So you want to be cautious. Some people can have very intense reactions to them. Can you, and she wants to know if you can put some foods in an enzyme solution to see if it digested. Is that a reasonable experiment? Uh, not really. Uh, there were experiments with uh, uh, the pancreatic yeah. uh, e- enzymes and uh, stomach acid. In a test tube, they found that they were extremely slow when they mixed up a protein with acid and the uh, pancreatic uh, proteinases, but wh- when they added, uh, they took a piece of intestine, uh, hmm. fixed it with formaldehyde, uh, so it was totally dead, uh, but dropped this fuzzy piece of, of in- intestine lining into the solution of acid, enzyme, and protein, and suddenly uh, the uh, reaction went at top rate. It's because the enzymes in a free solution don't contact the proteins that they're supposed to digest. But if they're uh, laid out in the proper arrangement on the fuzzy uh, lining of the intestine, hmm. uh, they that's where the uh, uh, any uh, substrate protein tends to fall uh, against this flat surface, be bound, uh, absorbed to the surface, and uh, then you get instantaneous uh, protein digestion. Uh, so uh, you, it, it doesn't. Uh, a baby, for example, uh, uh, in the f- very first few months, uh, do, does assimilate protein uh, from from the liquid phase, uh, but with maturation, uh, the, the lining of the intestine becomes uh, at least ninety percent of the digestive activity for proteins. Mm, wow. Um, what source of progesterone would Dr. Pete suggest I use if I want to take progesterone? Uh, the, the kind that I designed and have been using for really? uh, about 50 years was Progest-E complex. Uh, uh, it, it's a, a progesterone in the oily solution that I found works uh, well through the skin as, as well as orally. Progest uh, E. Can people buy that? Did you? Uh, do? Yeah, uh, uh, Kinogen is is the, the the maker of it that has been following my formula for forty years. Ketogen and K E N O G E N. Oh, Kinogen, like mm-hmm. you know. So, wh- what's the source of that? Is it the yam stuff? Uh, that no? uh, it it can vary. I don't know what. Uh, the the company it's an American company that that makes the uh, uh, actual progesterone, but I don't think it matters at all uh, what the original material was because there are about twenty chemical reactions in between the M mm. and the progesterone. Would would uh, our men listening this morning do? Is there any reason why they might look at progesterone too? Uh, yeah, the the stress hormones will cause a uh, uh, test testosterone to be turned to estrogen very quickly. Right. Uh, and that's why uh, testosterone declines with aging as estrogen rises. Uh, and getting the stress hormones down, progesterone and pregnenolone are, are the two main things for uh, stopping the formation of estrogen from testosterone. So uh, a large dose of progesterone 
will uh, have an anti-androgen effect. If, if you take like 100 milligrams, you can notice a temporary uh, neutralizing of testosterone, but uh, at small doses, uh, its only effect is to free up the natural functions of testosterone by blocking the stress conversion to estrogen. Wow. Uh-huh. But you don't want to just take too much of that. Just to, it just takes a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I've taken 100 milligrams. Uh, twice I did that for a migraine headache, uh, and the headache stopped within a, a one or two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the following day, I didn't have any whisker growth. <laughs> That's funny. So your, your, your testosterone wasn't happy. Uh, that, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Total, totally new. But I guess on that company you mentioned, they probably dose it out pretty pretty cleanly and tell you what to take. Uh, no, no, no uh, it's, uh, you can't overdose if you use it only on your skin. Right, and so this is a cream, this Kenogen thing? An, an oil. And it's an oil. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, oh, you can't overdose if you do it on there. Huh. Uh, yeah, but not not orally. You, you can overdose I orally. See. So. Here is an email. Um, can you tell us more about the protein content and vitamin C content of potatoes? The question is from a couple of people who think a day without a potato is an incomplete day. <laughs> That's funny. So, can you do you know about potatoes? Can you talk about that protein? Uh, uh, yeah, there there were studies in uh, uh, the Pacific Islanders. Uh, they found that they were eating nothing but potatoes for. 50 or 51 weeks of the year, and then at the end of the year, they had a festival where they would eat pork. But they were very healthy, uh, well-muscled people, 50 weeks of the year, uh, pure potato diet. So they did experiments and found that potatoes, by analysis, they seemed to have a very low protein content. But with animal feeding experiments, the the protein turned out to be higher quality in terms of biological effect, higher quality than egg yolk protein, which was uh, defined as the perfect protein. So what was happening was that in the juice, there are uh, amino acid, uh, keto acid versions of the essential amino acids, not protein, not even amino acids, but a a ketone equivalent, as soon as the body absorbs it, any ammonia that's available can be attached to this keto acid, turning it into an essential amino acid. Uh, And so what was invisible to chemical analysis suddenly in the body body functions, making it a higher quality protein than than a perfect protein, uh, just because they, they weren't able to measure what was present. And the, and he's asking about the vitamin C content of potatoes? Uh, uh, yeah, these people uh, who ate a pure potato diet had no vitamin deficiencies at all. Interesting. It, it isn't just vitamin C, but uh, everything except vitamin B12. Uh, and uh, uh, hmm. uh, they're, they're low in iron, too, uh, and uh, uh, vitamin a mm-hmm. uh, actual animal form of vitamin A is not there, but other than that, they're they're a good source of of the B vitamins and most of the minerals. Very interesting. So, would this be would this work for russets or the new potatoes or purple potatoes, sweet yeah, I, potatoes, everything, all of them? 
Uh, they vary uh, quite a bit in composition. Mm-hmm. Uh, sweet potatoes uh, often have carotene that makes it harder to digest, interferes with the enzymes. Uh, but <laughs> And the others, some potatoes are very watery, some very starchy. Uh, but if it uh, uh, tastes good, basically it's, it's going to yeah. have, have some of the high-quality yeah. protein value. We have a regular guest, Adam Bergstrom. I think you know that... He talks about dextrinizing the potatoes. So if you do it at a low temperature, uh, maybe 325, 350, where it takes two or three hours for a baker, where it actually makes the, the starchy turn more into sugar, more easily digestible. And they taste good, too. Oh, yeah, they do taste good. And with butter, phew, forget about it, right? <laughs> it's like all you need, man. You're just good. Um, <laughs> let's see. Boy, we got to burn through them here before we let you go. Can Dr. Uh, Pete recommend a certain body weight to serving ratio for eggshell calcium powder? I was interested in finding a safe daily amount to use. So he's wanting to take eggshell calcium, but he wants to know body weight serving. Do you recommend taking eggshell calcium? Uh, it's the next best thing to milk as a source of calcium. Okay. Milk, milk and cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eggshell, and then the next would be oyster shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, calcium carbonate in a very pure form. And if, if it isn't uh, finely ground, uh, it is irritating to some people's stomachs, so you have to uh, watch out for your reaction. Mm-hmm. But uh, in uh, milk drinkers, uh, there's no, no harm in getting thousands of milligrams of calcium per day. With eggshell, if you had... Uh, 5,000 milligrams of it, Uh, five five grams would be a a pretty uh, massive chunk of of, uh, eggshell to have Mm. going through your intestine. Could could be irritating. So I I think the effect on your digestion is the main thing because if you absorb it, then it's going to have an anti-inflammatory effect. Boy, the, the people that make those posters that got milk with the white mustache, they must love you, Dr. P. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Do you know of anything, uh, here's an email, <laughs> most effective in regrowing hair? Lost in uh, people experiencing chronic long-time digestive oil orders. So he th- thinks the digestive disorders have caused his hair to kind of... Can you Do you know anything to regrow those babies? Uh, the, the anti-stress hormones... Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all are helpful, uh, uh, but uh, one of the crucial things, you, you've probably heard the connection between uh, uh, hair loss and heart disease. Yes. There is yeah. a, an association, uh, and that's because of, of the stress hormones. And one of the basic uh, uh, stress producers uh, is the parathyroid hormone interacting uh, w- with with the bones uh, and uh, uh mitochondria uh, and it happens that the high parathyroid hormone is very destructive to the hair follicle uh, and so lowering the parathyroid hormone with vitamin D and calcium in the diet uh, is uh, probably the single most protective thing that can be done both for for heart disease uh, and the hair follicle uh, because that will help to restore your thyroid function which helps to restore progesterone, pregnenolone, DHEA, and and so on, lower the stress. And when you mention these different vitamins, Dr. Pete, you're not necessarily suggesting people run out and and start supplementing with these, 
but we can get a lot of these things from food. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. yeah. When I was teaching nutrition, I had my students think of the simplest foods that uh, you could get all of the nutrients from. And eggs and orange juice, they found hmm. uh, that you could get all of your essential nutrients just from those in the right quantities. Uh, and uh, with milk, eggs, and orange juice, uh, and uh, assorted other things, it's very easy to get all of your required vitamins in more than uh, required amounts. Patricia writes in, can you elaborate on how and why calcium could go rogue and forms and is deposited as harmful plaque and calcifications in the joints? Uh, yeah, exactly the same thing that causes the heart disease and hair loss and, and so on. Uh, the mitochondria are, are the first thing poisoned by misplaced uh, uh, calcium. And what parathyroid hormone does uh, is to block mitochondria metabolism, turn on lactic acid production, and lactic acid is essential for taking calcium out of your bones where it should be, and uh, in the process, it, it shifts the balance in a way that makes it uh, tend to deposit in soft tissues where it shouldn't be. Hmm. And parathyroid hormone rises when your diet doesn't have enough vitamin D, calcium, and magnesium. And so increasing your calcium in your diet will lower the parathyroid hormone and protect you against blood vessel calcification and other uh, improper calcifications. Here's a lady that's looking at taking, she would like to take um, a little magnesium as well as zinc, but wants to know what your recommendations are, like glycinate or the different the different zincs or the different magnesiums. I've Do you have favorites? Heard, I, I've never heard bad reports from uh, magnesium glycinate, mm -hmm. but uh, the only one I've ever used was magnesium carbonate, but uh, that, that can cause headaches. Uh, apparently some impurity mm -hmm. gets into the uh, supplement form. So I rarely uh, recommend any supplement, and, and uh, I think it's best to get it from uh, pure natural foods. Right. But but magnesium is a reasonable thing for many people? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, if you don't get a headache or, or okay. asthma or diarrhea or something from, something like that. from the supplement. And how about the zinc? If somebody wanted to take zinc for some reason, is there a better I, kind than others? I, 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 not really. Not zinc really. Uh, gluconate is okay, but I don't think doses above uh, 10 milligrams per day are safe. Oh, so just stay below 10 milligrams for the zinc. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, earlier, you mentioned a, a machine to make hydrogenated water. Yeah, uh, where it's a gas where you can put hydrogen in the water. Yes, sir. I, I, I think it would be good if you can have the opportunity to experiment with carbonated water combined with your hydrogen water. Uh, both mm. of those are. I think they would work together to restore cell energy. Really? So, in other words. You just get like a carbonated, uh, maybe something like a uh, Perrier or something like that? Something like that. You can buy cheap uh, huh. uh, supermarket uh, carbonated. Car carbonated water. Uh, the person who <laughs> discovered oxygen, it was really incidental. Hmm. He was working on how to carbonate water because they knew in the 18th century that 
uh, the naturally carbonated mineral water was good for the health. So he was working on uh, making carbon dioxide and accidentally uh, came across oxygen. So you're thinking if you if we're going to get one of these machines, which I have, maybe try it with uh, with carbonated water too, and see if there's you can feel a difference. I would bet that it would be about twice as effective. Really? Wow. What's the science behind that again? Just quick. Well, uh, Joseph Priestley, who discovered both both uh, oxygen and uh, how to make uh, carbonated water, mm-hmm. uh, at that time, uh, people quickly put this carbonated water and pure uh, carbon dioxide gas to use in various diseases. They found it alleviated breast cancer, for example, uh, and uh, they, they described patients who were kept uh, in a relatively healthy condition, see, uh, healing the ulcer of a, a cancerous breast, for example. The ulcer would close up when they were uh, exposed to carbon dioxide, so they were giving CO2 enemas hmm. and douches <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. applying it locally to uh, uh, injured tissue. Mm-hmm. As early as, as the 1790s, they were writing about its therapeutic properties. Wow. Uh, and uh, the Japanese are currently uh, using it experimentally against cancer. What do you think about the therapeutic pro- properties just of the hydrogen in general? Um, there has been very little study of that because it, it it's countercultural. Countercultural, yeah. <laughs> a very, very uh, thin line of research uh, uh, suggesting that uh, we can, our, our dehydrogenase enzymes that feed energy into the mitochondria probably can assimilate uh, this gaseous hydrogen mm-hmm. right from, from the environment, mm-hmm. uh, turning it into energy. Yeah. But uh, the amount of research on that has, has been very thin over the last 50 years. Yeah. A lot of peer-reviewed studies, though, about the benefits, but uh, so we'll see. People seem to really like it. Um, that's interesting about the carbonated water. I mean, my my goodness. That's just real. Double it, you think? Could double the benefits, you think? I, I would guess. Oh, well, that's pretty fun. Well, Dr. Pete, we burned through it here. It's time for you to... What are you going to do the rest of the day? Oh, I'll probably read. <laughs> probably read. What are you reading these days? Oh, I, I, I'm thinking my my next newsletter is something to do with, with energy and serotonin. Oh, well, you're always working at it, aren't you, Don? Yeah. Yeah, well, good for you. Tell folks about your newsletter before we go. It's uh, you go to raypeat.com, and they can sign up for that. Uh, oh, uh, to subscribe, it's at yeah. uh, raypeat's newsletter oh. at, uh, at gmail.com. Uh, I'll put it, that in the, uh, yeah. For emailing information on how to subscribe, it's twenty eight dollars for two years every other month. <laughs> that's by, great. By 20, email. twenty dollars for two years. You that's can't by even email. That's right. Oh, Ray Pete's uh, newsletter at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll put that into the to the show page. Just okay, we, we so much enjoy you taking the time to join us. You're you got a lot of fans out there around the world, so I um, really appreciate you coming on from time to time. Okay, thank you. All right, sir. Take care of yourself. Okay. Bye. Bye.